Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. Hey, Danielle, how are you today? I am doing well because I get to hang out with you ladies this morning. How are you doing, Sarah? I am doing great and really looking forward to our chat today. What about you, Amira? How are you? I'm good. It's a sunny day. It's warm. It feels like spring, so I'm excited. Today, we're going to be talking about what to do during your very first EI session. We'll share exactly what we do, how we prepare, and even give you some practical tips and advice for navigating your first session with the family. This is a topic I think that we've all had a ton of questions about, so we're really excited to get into it. But first, let's have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mindfulness in Motion, an occupational therapy and educational consulting company. Two occupational therapists with the mindset to educate and empower other professionals, therapists, and OT students looking to enter the school-based world and provide a mindful approach to their practice. You can find us at www.themimproject.com and on Instagram at Mindfulness in Motion with periods to separate the words. I feel like I vividly remember sitting in the car, trying to mentally prepare myself for my first session flying solo. Just a reminder, I practice in a team-based setting here in Arizona. So as a new grad, that was really nice because I was actually able to do co-treating for my first few sessions. Realistically, it was only about a week that I did that, but that's still a pretty good amount of time observing and spending time learning from other therapists, especially in EI when you often start out on your own anyways. But I feel like that week really flew by. So when it was time for me to fly solo, I was still pretty nervous. So back to this image of new grad Amira sitting in my car. I was trying to run through my plan in my head. I'm literally going like, what am I going to say? What are we going to do? What time do I need to start wrapping up? Now, remember in EI, the whole idea of treatment planning is very nice in theory, but in reality, that plan almost never goes as planned. And I'm speaking from experience. So I'm really excited today to talk about this topic because this is a topic that Amira sitting in her car certainly could have used. So Sarah, I'm curious, do you have a similar memory of how you felt preparing for your first session? Oh, that's actually a really good question. And I, I think because my first solo session was so long ago, I think I probably just blocked that from memory. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting because when you said the word plan, I feel like I don't have a plan, but I do have a plan, if that makes any sense. Like I come in with very little of a plan in like the traditional therapy sense, but I have this kind of holistic outside view of a plan of really what I'm looking for. And so I kind of have this plan, but no plan type plan. But Danielle, I know you must have something to say about your first solo session in early intervention. I do. So for me, I started in early intervention when I was 18 as what they called in New Jersey, a developmental interventionist, which is out here in California, an infant toddler teacher. So I remember that I had 
at least like one other person that I was following around, another teacher before I went in on my own. And I think that really helped me. So I never was ever just alone showing up with a caseload, not knowing what the expectations would be. So I lucked out and had a really good first mentor way back in the day to set the stage of what really first sessions were all about. And then when it came time to go in as my first session for OT, it had already felt so natural and normal 10 years later. But that very first session, I remember thinking, wow, she's just talking to the family. She's just sitting there like the kids. She's just observing. I was like, shouldn't we be doing something? Should we be like getting our toys out? Should we be getting right to it? Like here, here are the goals. Like, And then I remember asking her all these questions afterwards. And she was like, you are going to have a very long time with this family. Now, sometimes, you know, you might get a kiddo for only a couple of months, a little bit, you know, later, closer towards three. But for the most part, kids stay on your caseload for about a year or so, like give or take as an average. So she's like, you're really just developing rapport, getting to know the family. It's almost like when we talked about in the assessment process, how sometimes we just have to sit down and just hang out and have conversations. Well, now all of that good stuff has happened. You have your IFSP, you're ready to take it and put it into action when you walk into the door for your first session, but you don't have to do it all in the first session. I think we all get very excited about, okay, we're in, we have all our ideas. And then we can walk into a house and it's like, the baby's crying. It's not a good day. And you're just like, but I'm ready. I have everything here. And then you have to quickly adjust based on the environmental circumstances and just where the family is at. And that could shift based on client to client every day. So it's also about you. There are many first sessions in early intervention. And I think we try to group like, what do you do on the first session? And it's really for me, I hang out, I get to know the family and I, I kind of flow with it. I like what you said, Sarah, I have a plan, but it's not really a plan that's set in stone. It's just more of like a guidebook. And really the family is going to guide you on what you're going to do during that first session. We've talked about before how early intervention is so different from other settings. And part of what makes it so unique is that you are going into the home. And because of that, it is a very intimate, it's very personal. And I remember that part for me was the biggest adjustment is just, I'm not in a clinic. I'm not just going to go into a room or I'm not inpatient. I'm not just going into a hospital room. I'm going into someone's home. And I think there are a lot of different factors and considerations that you have to have. So Sarah, what are some of those considerations and things that you start to note that is very specific in working in early intervention and going into people's homes? I love this question. And I think we briefly touched on it when we were talking about the assessment portion and when our assessments actually begin. But the same thing goes for when we're doing our treatments and specifically our very first treatment session. My observations start before I even lay eyes on the child, before I even met the family at the door or on the Zoom call, depending on if we're in person or if it's virtual. But there's a lot of things that go into figuring out and navigating the session before you even see the child. And that includes if you're going in person, where do you park? 
Do you pay attention to street sweeping? Are you going to have to move your car in 30 minutes or anything like that? Are you going to have to play around with the different days if there is street sweeping and there's no parking that specific day? What the neighborhood looks like, and that plays into the whole safety aspect. And another thing that I am a big proponent about is if there happen to be neighbors that are outside and they're hanging out and you can have a little chit chat and and wave and smile. So they start to understand like, I'm going to be coming weekly, twice a week, or I'm going to be coming on a regular basis. So they start to understand like kind of who you are. And this is all outside before you even meet the family. And then it's walking up to the door. Is it an apartment? Is it a condo? Is it a townhouse? Is it a house? Is it a multi-generation house? Like there's all these different things. Are there animals? Are there going to be dogs there? Are there gates? Are there codes? All these things that you really have to figure out, even just to go say hi to the client. And then also like how you're going to contact them. Should you be calling them if there's a code? Is there a code box that you have to go to? Do you wait in your car before uh, and let them know that you're there? Like there's just, there's so many different factors that you really have to pay attention to. That's all part of using your clinical brain and utilizing that the natural environment again, before you even see the client. So, I mean, I could I could go on and on and on, but this is this is stuff that I talk about with my students all the time. It's like we're not just going in and plopping a toy in front of the client and that's our session. It's like we really have to pay attention to all these other things that are happening. So, we are aware that every time every session could be a little bit different in terms of like where we have to park, how long we can park there, do we need a parking pass, right? There's another thing right there. Sometimes you have to have the parent run down and give you the parking pass so you can park there or you have to buzz in to and then go into the parking area and that kind of stuff. Like these are all going to be so different depending on what family you're working with that day and that hour. Sarah, I love everything that you're saying. And I learned quite quickly working in the inner city Philadelphia area that parking, housing structures, all inner city areas, actually, it's just, it's like you get to one place and what you also have to take into consideration is the traffic, the driving time. And then when you get there, the parking availability and how that's cutting into your session time. One of the things that I really started doing after a couple months in was I created my own questionnaire when I was setting up that first client visit over the phone. I felt that that was a great opportunity. You might not always get to be able to have a detailed conversation before you get in the door, but more often than not, I just kind of ran through it. Like, is there anything I need to know? Is there available parking? Do you have any animals? Are there other children? Like, do you need X, Y, and Z? Like, and I think it was just a good checklist to make little notes. And then I always input the address on Google Maps and do a satellite view, which kind of gives me an idea of where the address is, where the house is. Are there other availabilities for parking? If I have to park, as I used to have to walk like blocks sometimes in Philadelphia and to get to one house based on where the parking alternate street cleaning may be mindful of street cleaning days because they will take your cards, <laughs> trash cans that take up all the parking spots. Right? <laughs> So, I mean, I think one really awesome takeaway already that I hope you are thinking in the back of your mind is this is nothing to really do about what you're going to do when you get in the door. There's so many other things from an environmental perspective that comes into being an EI therapist and the things that we have to talk about, which is much much different from just going to point A and then you leave to go home to point B. Like we have many different environments in many different areas, also spanning 
spanning across different counties sometimes with also different environmental factors. Like I used to have to go one day be in inner city and then the next day I was on a farm. So I'm going to adjust my footwear and what my outfit is looking like per se to be more comfortable in the environments that I'm in. And I, I always remember when we do the assessments together, this one teacher, she would always wear heels, bless her heart. And we were going to a farm and she was like, this is the day that I'm not wearing heels anymore. (laughs) And it's like, it's again, like just be mindful of the environments that you're going to. And I always have a spare set of clothes in my car as well, because random things happen and you always want to be prepared. So always having some extra things in the back of your car, such as different outfits. Also, I would keep keep maps because back in the day, like I was doing early intervention before smartphones. So we can just plug addresses into smartphones. But there was a time I was using actual hand maps to go drive like to different places, or I would go on MapQuest and print out the directions and be following them. I know I'm dating myself here, but I think it's important to be mindful that there's been a lot of evolutions in the world of early intervention that make it a little bit more accessible. Plugging in, there's applications that you can use that put in different addresses that can lead you to like setting up your ongoing schedules to be more beneficial to meet your driving needs or to fit within your schedule. Especially if you're spanning a a long distance, you don't want to be traveling two hours, one way, two hours, another, you want to kind of build your appointments in between schedule out your farthest one work inward or so forth. So again, it's about analyzing your whole caseload. So when you're thinking about your first session, think about 20 first sessions or when people pop in and your new clients are coming in, where do you want to offer out that time slot? Some families are going to have very set specific hours. So also be mindful that when you're like, hey, I have this availability, they can literally say, sorry, that's not going to work for me. And then you are going to be left adjusting your schedule. But again, remember, you're the therapist. You have a lot of other clients to manage. So being mindful of how that comes into play and how you're scheduling all your first sessions Also keep in the back of your mind, where are all my other clients located at? How is that going to work structurally like within their day? Danielle, I love that you said a couple of times the importance of just being mindful and how all of these different considerations that we're making are good for us as a therapist, but it's also showing the families how important they are to us, that we're reaching out beforehand, that we're asking questions, and just keeping in mind that this first session is really all about rapport building and building that positive association with therapy with the kids. And so I kind of want to just touch on when does rapport building actually start in this whole process? Because you kind of mentioned a couple of ways that you can start that rapport building already before your footsteps in the door. But now let's talk about how we can really work on rapport building once you're in the home. So I know for me, one of the things, and this actually comes from my work as a certified newborn care specialist and something that I learned that was really important is just to go in and ask like, do you prefer shoes on or off in the home? This is why it's important to keep those little blue booties with you in case you want to put those over your shoes. And so I would go and I would make sure to ask, do you want shoes off or shoes on, especially because we have little crawlers and some people are very particular about wearing shoes in the home. Where can I wash my hands? This is going to be really important, especially coming out of this pandemic. Or where can I sit my bag down if you've brought a bag in with you? Would they rather have the session in the living room or the playroom? Do they want to be outside? And so these are some of the questions that I make sure to ask as soon as I even step foot in the door. And that's already going to show how I'm there to support that family, but I'm also just being mindful and respectful of their place, of their home. So is there anything, Sarah, that you do as soon as you go into the home to help with that rapport building? 
So yes to everything that you just said about the shoes, about the hands, about the bag, where we're going to sit, like all of those questions, because that's going to guide where we're going to be doing our sessions. And sometimes maybe we'll start in one room and we might move to another room. And also the other thing too is, again, before you even get to the front door, you might notice that shoes are outside. And then that's going to give you a clue of like, they might be asking me to take my shoes off even before I step into the house. Or you step in and you notice the shoes are right by the front door or anything like that. But you could also have that family that's like, oh no, just leave your shoes on. And you're like, oh, but I see shoes everywhere. I'm just, I'm more comfortable. If I can, I will take the shoes off just because I feel like it's more respectful. And plus I'm sitting on the floor and my shoes can get in the way and all that kind of stuff. So typically, unless they're adamant about me keeping my shoes on, or I feel like there's a cleanliness issue, I will take my shoes off. But from that moment, that first moment of like, okay, I know where I'm washing my hands. I kind of understand like that, that first kind of beginning moments of the session. That is where I am building that connection with the caregivers, with the family and with the clients. And it really is opening myself up to them, introducing who I am, why I'm there, what OT is, like kind of going through all that process. So it really is, I think for me, the importance of just communication and having this conversation and having the families know that I am there for them. I'm not judging. My sole purpose is to be there to support them and to empower them. And that's really the first session I'm focusing on that. The second session I'm focusing on that. And every single session after I'm focusing on that communication and that rapport. I love everything that you're saying. And I think what is screaming to me is that within early intervention, it is so important to demonstrate cultural competence and its impact on relationship building when you are entering somebody's home. Because when you go in and you are respecting where each family is at and understanding their cultural views and what their personal views are in relation to early intervention, that is when you can truly show the family, hey, I am here. I know that you have all of these worries, these preconceived perceptions of what therapy is even going to be like, but by you setting foot and respecting their home from the first moment you walk in the door, they are going to be able to build that rapport with you, see that you are noticing details of their life, encompassing that within their early intervention session. And it's very important to know that you're going to be, at least for me, I loved working in a city. I was exposed to so many different factors that I never would have even thought of. And then I build on that and take whatever each family needs in that moment of time. And I go with that and work on embedding those goals and those routines within to their everyday life and how they are living. So it's very important to be mindful that, again, we might have an idea of what we want to do in a session, how we think we need to go, but there are going to be times where the family has a different idea or view. And that is our job to take the both, merge them together to support overall development. And I love what you said, Sarah, this is occurring every day, not just on the first session. This is an ongoing evolution of a relationship where that first session is really just about growing, accepting, being present and sitting with all of the details because now we've already gone through the initial referral. We've gone through the assessment. We're reviewing things that could have been changed. And now we're kind of bringing it full circle to say, okay, here's our starting point. Here's what I hear you want to be working on. Here's where we're at. And you continue to grow and build upon that. And it is very ever-changing. So be mindful that early intervention is not a stagnant profession. It changes just like your 
your life changes every day. One quick thing that I just wanted to throw out that that you reminded me of, Danielle, is also being on your toes of like what could happen. I mean, I've walked in to a brand new house and a brand new family and mom's carrying in groceries and she has a kid in one arm and the groceries in another and the dog's barking and all of this. And I'm like, what can I do? Right. Like right now, yes, <laughs> I'm here to help you. Like, yes, I'm a therapist. We're going to get to that part. But like, can I take the kid? Can I grab the groceries? Like, can I unlock the door for you? Like, and of course, it's always a question. I'm not going to force myself to do anything, but it really is like, how can I support you in this moment? So then we can get to where we need to be within the session and, and start to kind of hash out some of the information. But sometimes there's a lot going on when you're even just first showing up to the door as well. So being aware that sometimes you might have to take a step back from that therapist and just be like, what well, can I do to help out in this moment? So then we can get to where we need to go later on. I think that all goes back to what we're emphasizing with this first session is to build rapport and to emphasize that connection that you're trying to establish with the caregivers, because that's just going to serve you so well as you start to, you know, really work with that family and you give strategies and recommendations. They're going to follow through with it so much better if they trust you and they know that you have their best intentions. And I think all of that can be shown through those little things like offering to put the groceries down or to take the kid while mom unlocks the door. So I love that you brought that up, Sarah. I do want to go back. Danielle, I love that at the beginning of the episode, you mentioned that for the most part, we'll be working with these families for an extended amount of time. And I think this is an important reminder that it's okay to take it slow especially when we're building relationships with these families that we're going to be working with for an extended amount of time. It's okay to go slow and to take your time and be mindful and consider all of these different things that we've talked about in the episode. This episode, we really wanted to remind you that rapport building truly starts before you even walk in the door for your first session. And there are so many foundational steps that must occur in order to really focus on rapport building and connecting with your families. You've heard from us, and now we want to hear from you. What do you think about before your first session? What's your favorite way to build rapport? What are some of the ways you prepare before you even walk in the door for your first session? Let us know by reaching out on Instagram at the Real Ots of EI or our website, therealotees.com. We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealotees.com for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention.